Sorting through your expenses, estimated payments, and all those tax deductions can be overwhelming. Might even lead to a failure to file and failure to pay penalties that pile up on your tax debt. The attorneys at Tax Network USA have been lifesavers for many Americans. Their team has successfully saved clients more than $1 billion in tax debt. A billion. Whether you're in the hole for $10,000 or $10 million, they are ready to help. The expert attorneys and tax professionals at Tax Network USA are equipped to secure the best settlement for you and help you resolve all tax cases. So please go to taxnetworkusa.com bill, or you can call 1-800-245-6000. These debt relief programs are expected to change, so get started now. Please go to taxnetworkusa.com slash bill, or you can call 1-800-245-6000. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the largest online nursery in the USA? With more than 10,000 plant varieties and millions of satisfied customers. I have their trees and plants at my home, and they're fantastic. Have you had your fair share of landscaping woes and wasted weekends at crowded nurseries? Finding fast-growing trees will be like stumbling upon a hidden treasure, believe me. With fast-growing trees, it's different. From fruit trees to houseplants, they have it all delivered right to your doorstep. Plus, their plant experts are always available for advice. And here's the best part. This spring, they have up to half off on select plants. And my audience can get an extra 15% off by using promo code BILL at checkout. So please go to FastGrowingTrees.com. Use promo code BILL at checkout. Hey, Bill O'Reilly here. Welcome to the No Spin News for Tuesday, January 17th, 2023. Stand up for your country. Now, my message of the day, which we post each morning on BillOReilly.com, it's free, and we hope you go in and read it uh, every day, is basically expanding on what I said last night on this broadcast, that I'm starting to personally dislike President Biden, and I feel bad about that. No other president that I've covered. And I go all the way back covering presidents until Jimmy Carter. And and I've never disliked any of them personally. But Joe Biden is is doing things that he shouldn't be doing. And they're hurting all of us. And that's the subject of this evening's Talking Points memo. So yesterday we covered uh, Martin Luther King Day. And we said um, that Mr. King, Dr. King, Reverend King, Um, was a heroic man, which is true. He deserves his federal holiday because it shows respect for 13% of the population, African-Americans. There's nothing wrong with it. There's no downside there. Okay? We also said that politicians, some of them, exploit the holiday. And by doing so, exploit Dr. King. So Joe Biden gave a speech, in fact, a couple of speeches, 
But on uh, Dr. King's federal holiday, he said this. Go. The unemployment rate is the lowest it's been in 50 years. And black unemployment is near record lows. Wages for black workers are up. Two strongest years ever for small business creation, including black small businesses. Across the board, American families have a bit more breathing room. More black Americans have health insurance than ever in American history. Okay, so we fact checked that and here we go. Uh, Mr. Biden says the unemployment rate is the lowest it's been in 50 years. Um, Not true. Okay, under uh, Donald Trump, the uh, unemployment rate was two times. Okay, two times it hit the same rate, 3.5%. Hard to go um, below that because there are people who basically can't work and they leave the work force and they collect unemployment. Um, Unemployment rate under Donald Trump uh, was 3.5 in September 19 and January 2020. This is from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics. President Biden also says that the current unemployment rate for blacks, 5.7%, is near record lows. Well, it was 5.3% under Donald Trump. So I'm not going to quibble about 0.4%, but it's a substantial number. So Mr. Biden wasn't trying to be fair there. He was trying to say, and nobody's going to fact check him, unlike Donald Trump. Washington Post fact checked everything that Trump said. In fact, in a dishonest way, often. Nobody tracks what Joe Biden says. Isn't that interesting? Second soundbite, roll the tape. I reduced the deficit last year, $350 billion. And this year, federal deficit is down $1 trillion plus. Hear me, that's a fact. Well, the federal deficit did fall by $1.4 trillion last year when Biden was president. It did. So what he said is true. But he didn't tell you why, because all the COVID entitlements stopped. It was nothing that Biden did. It was that the emergency COVID relief, and you know it, you might have gotten a check. Unemployment, small business, on and on and on and on. All of that ceased. So all the COVID money went into reducing the deficit. In fact, it was more, it was... The deficit was reduced 104%, and it was all COVID money, every bit of it. Spending under President Biden, non-COVID spending, is the highest it's ever been under any president. Okay, so it's a ruse, and, and Biden knows nobody's going to check him. Nobody's going to say, well, yeah, it's true, all right, you did reduce the uh, deficit, but it wasn't because of your policies. You were sitting in the Oval Office, but it expired. All the COVID spending that Congress passed to save people's livelihoods and businesses expired. Did you know that? Does anybody know that? No. So when I see this kind of stuff, and believe me, it ha- Biden's not the only one who does this. They all 
all these politicians, I, I don't know of any politician who doesn't take things out of context in order to boost themselves up. I mean, it just happens. But at this level, all right, to try to convince African-Americans in particular that you're better off under Biden than you were under Trump. Remember, African-Americans, generally speaking, don't like Donald Trump. It's not true economically. It's not. All right. Real wages, which is the indicator in this country of prosperity for all all colors, are down under Biden because of inflation. Where they were up under Trump, it's a seven point swing to the negative under Biden. Because of the astronomical inflation. So when you hear statistics, okay, and, and I needed 24 hours to check all this because I wanted to get it right. Okay, so that's the memo. Now Joe Biden's schedule. He meets with uh, the prime minister of the Netherlands today. Actually, this is a fairly important meeting because the Netherlands is sending China, selling to the Chinese, high-tech stuff. And uh, the West, NATO, does not want that. And Netherlands is a part of NATO. So I, uh, you know, that's not some frivolous meeting about cheese. Um, are the Netherlands going to stop it? I don't, I don't know. Uh, and then the Golden State Warriors, perhaps the most left-wing sports team in the country, will meet with the president at 2.45 this afternoon. It's already happened. Of course, you're watching this in the evening um, because they won the championship, the NBA championship last year. So that ought to be a love fest there, uh, which is fine. I don't have any problem with that. Um, okay, so Thursday, uh, the president goes to California. Another thing that he should do. I mean, the uh, rain and snow in California is devastating that state. Um, and he'll, you know, do the tour just like he did the tour in El Paso and he'll get out of there and then he'll fundraise. I can guarantee he'll do a fundraiser there of some kind. But California, we, we feel very bad for the folks. I mean, they never get a break out there every year. It's something either droughts or mudslides or rain. I mean, it just, you know, one of the most beautiful places in the world, but they just get pounded. All right. Now. On Friday, uh, the government can't borrow any more money. So this is, this is going to be big. And it's boring. I know it's boring. I'm going to try to make it interesting for you. So right now, the national debt, what the USA owes, is $31.4 trillion. Democratic Party doesn't want any spending limits at all. None. Okay, they want to borrow as much money as they possibly can borrow. Republicans want, as you saw with the uh, House um, and the McCarthy hearings, they want disciplined spending. So now Congress has got to approve on Friday it begins a new borrowing ceiling, a higher debt ceiling. So the government continue to borrow money to pay its debts. What are its debts? Its debts are when you buy a government bond, the government has to pay you money. Okay? And in certain expenditures, there's more going out than coming in. Now, it doesn't affect Social Security or Medicare or it, uh, many, many other things, because as long as the government has tax dollars at a certain level, it can spend that level. But it can't borrow more 
than the tax revenue that's coming in unless Congress approves. So this is a brawl. Okay. Now, 36% of all the Biden spending is what they call discretionary. That means that can be cut. That, that's just opinion stuff, like the $3 million jogging trail in Georgia named for Michelle Obama. Do we really need that? <laughs> I mean, come on. And I'm just picking on uh, the former first lady because it's so egregious, so ridiculous. And there's a million of those. Okay, they're, they're just everywhere. It's called pork. You bring the pork back. Okay, so the Republicans are going to have to say, you want us to raise the debt ceiling? You got to cut. You got to cut and we got to have the cuts in writing. It's going to be a brawl, a bloody brawl. And then the scare tactics come out. You're not going to get your Social Security. You're not going to get your Medicare. All of that's going to come. We are here every day on radio and television to correct the record. Okay, look. The more money the government borrows, the deeper in debt this country goes, the less your dollars are worth. That is inflation. It's got to stop. We have to start living within our means. This country or disaster will happen. San Francisco. The African-American Reparations Advisory Committee has issued its suggestions. $5 million cash for blacks who live in San Francisco. And there's a number of they have to be born between 1940 and 96. They have to live there for 13 years. A lot of stuff. Blacks make up 5%, just 5% of San Francisco's population. And we're not talking about an awful lot of people here, but $5 million cash ahead, plus all debt forgiveness, your home mortgage, anything you have. That's what they want, okay? The reparations in San Francisco. Well, who pays for that? The taxpayers. Just don't pull money out of the air. So every, everybody who lives in San Francisco, the city limits, their tax money is going to have to go for that. And San Francisco gets federal money. So people who don't live there, we pay tax to Washington. Washington desert, diverts some of that money to San Francisco for various reasons. They do that for every big city. So that, that money would go there. Now, it's brutally unfair because current taxpayers, nothing to do with slavery. Those is unfair. So what you're doing is you're taking a historical wrong that resonates throughout this country even today, and that's all legitimate, and then you're punishing innocent people. Not the way America is supposed to work. No. And if this was ever passed on a national level, this would set back race relations 100 years. The anger would be that palpable. Even people who sympathize and who want the best for African-Americans, okay, would be angry. Not all of them, but many of them. 
So I, uh, I wanted a guest to address this and a lot of other things on a race level. And who better to do that than Ben Jealous, who is the author of the brand new book, Never Forget Our People Were Always Free, A Parable of American Healing, just out. I recommend the book. Um, he is the former president and CEO of People for the American Way, a left-wing group. Uh, you might know it. Um, he is a professor of practice at the University of Pennsylvania, comes to us from Baltimore, Maryland. Um, before we get into your book, what about the reparations in San Francisco? Would you sign on to that? Now, I don't know enough about it. What I do know is that when you have an institution like Georgetown University, where there are specific people who were harmed, there's an institution that benefited. They sold off uh, slaves in order to keep the university afloat at, some, at one point. Uh, and they've sought to make reparation. It's easier for people to understand. I think that it would be easier for people to understand, for example, if it was a, an insurance company uh, or even Levi Strauss that profited off of slavery in some way. That's a very wealthy company today. And part of that, it has to do with the, ex the exploitations of certain families, even though it was a long time ago, the wealth endures. So what I found is that when you're talking about reparations, Bill, the more specific you can be, the more there's a continuity of wealth, uh, the easier it is. I think it's harder to make that, that argument um, with a city government. I'm not, I don't know the facts, I know whether it's bad or good, yeah, well, but it's certainly well, what, I, what I told you, Mr. Jealous, are the facts. I mean, it, it, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think, you know, th there'll be a lot of legal challenges to this. But if you're going to try to um, correct, let's use that word, historical atrocities across the board, it never ends. It just never ends. I mean, my people in County Cavan, Ireland, had their land seized, seized by the British crown. OK, and that led to the death of the patriarch and the expulsion of two 16 year old boys who had to take a voyage and work on a death ship by throwing corpses into the Atlantic Ocean to get to the United States because their mother couldn't feed them. So, yeah, London owes the O'Reilly family big, but every family, I'll submit to you, has stories like that all over the world. I'm not diminishing, you know, slavery is the top of the chart. There's no doubt about that. And people did a benefit economically. That was what it was all about. Okay. However, right now, we're innocent of that. The people who live here now and exist now and pay taxes now, we're innocent of that. The blood is not on our hands. Would you agree? What I'm saying is that the, what was missing from the facts that you set up was what the specific argument is in San Francisco. I don't, I don't know what it's it is. It's, 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 it's the same argument. For example, you just said city, that Georgetown yeah, the was giving reparations. I understand the Georgetown but thing. But we didn't know that. Yeah, yeah exactly. But that's what I'm saying is that the specifics matter. And without knowing it, I have no idea. All right. But it's easy. Just you could research in two seconds. And believe me when I tell you, the city of San Francisco in the past, in history, discriminated against African-Americans. That's what it is. Georgetown's a private institution. If Georgetown wants to make restitution because of what the college did uh, to slaves, I don't have a problem with that, okay? Um, but I have a problem with forcing taxpayers to fund historical atrocities at this point. All right, let's move ahead to your book. So I, I like... I like what you're trying to do here, even though you and I are on the opposite side of the political spectrum. I like what you're trying to do. 
All right, you're trying to bring Americans together to solve problems um, and in the racial area. But what, and I looked at your book, I didn't read it all, but I looked at it. The main problem in the African-American community, as I see it, is the dissolution of the family. And that leads to poverty and crime and all kinds of antisocial behavior with the father absent. And I think that should be in the forefront of trying to get this rift between blacks and whites and everybody else solved. Am I wrong? What I would say is that there's a parallel problem amongst poor whites, and, the, and poor whites are almost invisible. And so one of the things I talk about in my book is when we actually make the problems facing poor whites visible, as an American family, we tend to come together and figure out how to solve them. An example of that would be addiction to heroin and to pills and to painkillers containing uh, similar drugs. Uh, and when you have that, that scourge of, of opiate addiction, for a long time in Baltimore, all the images were black people, even though quietly folks knew there were a lot of white folks dying. We talked about it as a criminal problem, lock them up. And then something happened in the Mid-South and the Midwest. Frankly, sheriffs were burying a lot of people. We talked to them anecdotally that they went to high school. And they started to publish the faces of the corpses. And when the faces of the corpses look like the country as a whole, because drug addiction is fairly constant across racial groups in our society. And as soon as you start seeing white faces, people dying from opiate addiction too, the policy shifted. It went from let's lock them all up to this is an, a problem of addiction. It's a health problem. Let's send them to rehab. So the invisibility of the white poor used to be the black poor that were invisible during, say, the Great Depression. The invisibility of the white poor, who are the largest group, leads to skewed responses because people who don't don't see people who look like well, they're reflected because, in the media. Yeah, but that's because whites uh, are the majority in the country. I mean, blacks are thirteen percent, so always the majority is a bigger megaphone. And the methamphetamine. But but but, but 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 Bill, please, just as a community organizer, as somebody who's organized behind bars, like white inmates are invisible too. You know, All right? That, the, that may the, be true. <laughs> We have a tendency. And what I'm saying is that is that those numbers matter. There's 8 million or so blacks in poverty. There's 16 million whites in poverty. Honestly, I have people in poverty on both sides of my family, white and black. And the invisibility of the white poor constrains, frankly, the political imagination about the problem and therefore the solutions. That's but all there's only so much the government can do about poverty. Unless you want to have, a, you know, a socialist system, which is what the far I mean, left. I'm a venture capitalist by trade, right? Like what I do is I grow companies. I've done that for eight years. Me okay. and educate for. But then you know, five. you know, poverty is driven by behavior. That's what drives poverty. The lack of education is number one. People don't get educated. Well, they the can't do anything. Thousand factories going to China. Right. Uh, all I mean, right. But that's not the main. We have almost full employment here. Well, he, I mean, yeah, but it's but it's different. It's different. You know, I live in Pasadena, Maryland, very conservative community. This community started as vacation homes for factory workers in South Baltimore. That's, you know, or from South Baltimore. But when Bethlehem Steel shut down in Baltimore, it wasn't just South Baltimore that got unemployed. It's full of poor white folks. But it's West Baltimore, where my family's from. And so all I'm saying is that like, we've got to have jobs in this country. I think you would agree for, for men who didn't go to college and, and in the white community. But and the, the jobs are there now. We have a lot of kids. 
The jobs are there. If you want to make money in America, you can make money. I mean, just being an Uber driver, Ben, I mean, you can you can pull in seventy thousand dollars a year. I'm going to go back to the cultural driver of poverty is the failure of families. It's not a government failure in America. It's a personal failure. The parental and, and this stems across all colors. Absolutely. You're right on that. But when 72% of African-American babies are born out of wedlock, and a lot of those fathers split, okay, you got a dastardly problem. Uh, Not you, 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 but the country. But nobody talks about it. If you control for socioeconomic status, the white community is much wealthier than the black community. If you just look at the poor of all colors, you see very, very similar problems. One of the stories I talk about in my book is a man I was flying next to on Delta Airlines. He had a Confederate flag over his heart, a bright red shirt. This is like 2010. And, you know, I was head of the NAACP, and the guy next to me had a Confederate flag over his heart. It's kind of awkward for a second. But we ended up in a conversation about affirmative action. And I, we started talking about how, you know, how much it benefited white women. They were the biggest beneficiaries. And he cut me off. He said, but Ben, that's not the problem in my family. He said, I'm wearing this shirt because... Ole Miss gave me a shot because I was a football player. He said, but I'm pretty much the only man in my family since we came over as part of the Georgia penal colony not to end up in prison. And what are we going to do for the boys in my family? So we ended up talking about mass incarceration. We also talked about the need, frankly, to create a preference. uh, And some universities have this, but not all, for people who are first-time college, for people who are coming from a low-income background, to help open up the doors. My dad's family helped start Harvard in 1636. They gave 200 acres for that school. The reality is that back end class rank literally meant class rank, like where, not where you were in your academic class, where you were in the social class, how much wealth did you have? We have discriminated against the poor in this society in a way that's profound. And so part of what I'm doing in this book is trying to do what Dr. King did at the end of their life and say, look, race is a wedge. It's used to, dis- to divide the poor. King was assassinated trying to bring the poor back together. And it's really important that we make if all the, the poor visible. I'll That's submit the first to you, step. Ben. The if the poor want to improve themselves and move into the middle class or even the upper wealthy classes, they have an opportunity to do that in this country. But there are certain oh, steps you have to take. And unless the African-American community rallies around the family, the 40s and 50s, the African-Americans had... M- stronger family structures than the whites in this country. The tradition was stronger than the whites, okay? But it collapsed in the 60s, and now it's led to deprivation. Last word. What I would say is that um, my family is very strong. We invest in education. We've had some privilege on both sides, even though my mom grew up in the public housing projects. And we need to make sure that the poor uh, uh, whites and poor blacks are visible, that we tear down the barrier of race between them so they can assert, frankly, demands together for better schools for all their kids, for, for fair pay at work. Yes, I totally believe in education and strong families. We also need to make sure that people get a fair wage for a full day's work. Okay. The uh, book is Never Forget Our People We're Always Free, Ben Jealous. And we appreciate it, Ben. Let's talk again soon, okay? Absolutely, Bill. Thank you for having me on.
Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee has introduced a bill criminalizing conspiracy to commit white supremacy. Never going to pass. Um, but, you know, Ms. Lee, who I had on a few times and, you know, um, she wants to have uh, the federal government go after anybody who may participate in any plot or plan or thought that would lead to white supremacy. Now, you know, I don't know what that means. I, I don't know anything about it. I don't like white supremacy. I think it's bad. I think that all people are created equal under God. That's Jesus's message. But this is just loopy. All right, police. Uh, last year, the stats are in. 330 police officers shot dead. I mean, shot, shot, not dead. Um, across the country, that's up 6% from 21. And this is from the National Fraternal Order of Police. 88 ambush-style attacks on law enforcement officers. So, you know, police, um, it's a dangerous job. Always remember that. In D.C., the city council, now this is interesting. The mayor of Washington, D.C. is Muriel Bowser, very, very left-wing woman. I mean, very left-wing. She vetoed this bill that softened penalties for carjackings and burglaries and basically is a pro-criminal bill. Ms. Bowser vetoed it, saying you can't do this. It leads to anarchy. But the city council of D.C. is going to override the veto and will have the most lenient punishments for serious crimes like carjackings. I mean, you know, to jack a car, you have to have a person in the car, okay, and pull that person out of the car and take it. That's a carjacking. If you just steal a car, it's a stolen car. So there's a human being involved, and they want lesser penalties for that? Insane. But there is a very, very strong pro-criminal lobby in this country. Smart life. Okay, here I have a bottle of iced tea. And it costs about a buck and a half, buck 75 in the deli. Okay. The iced tea contains 91% grams of sugar, 91%. Sorting through your expenses, estimated payments, and all those tax deductions can be overwhelming, might even lead to a failure to file and failure to pay penalties that pile up on your tax debt. The attorneys at Tax Network USA have been lifesavers for many Americans. Their team has successfully saved clients more than $1 billion in tax debt, a billion. Whether you're in the hole for 10,000 or 10 million, they are ready to help. The expert attorneys and tax professionals at Tax Network USA are equipped to secure the best settlement for you and help you resolve all tax cases. So please go to taxnetworkusa.com bill Or you can call 1-800-245-6000. These debt relief programs are expected to change, so get started now. Please go to taxnetworkusa.com slash bill. Or you can call 1-800-245-6000.
6,000. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call, and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. This, like, liquid sugar, this. And people don't know. You know, they get a sandwich, they just open the little thing. I, I, I say, let's get some iced tea. This is drinking sugar. You're drinking sugar. Okay, so I'm picking on this place, but they shouldn't be doing it because there are many other iced teas. And here's the thing. you got to read the label. Any more than 25 grams of sugar in any beverage, don't drink it. Don't drink it. There are good-tasting beverages that have a little bit of sugar in it. It's not going to kill you. If you drank a bottle of this every day, you're going to be enormous. You're going to be obese. You can't work it off. You can't. Okay? It's just going to settle into your system. It attacks your immune system, which means you're more susceptible to COVID and everything else. Okay? And then you're going to be enormous. And people don't know it. And this drives me crazy. Because we all saw what the tobacco, anti-tobacco campaigns did. It drove down. Only 20% of Americans smoke cigarettes now. And it was like 55, 60% when I was growing up. My mother smoked, gave it up, but she smoked a lot. But once the government got behind, smoking's going to kill you, which it will, people wise up. Sugar, no, because they spend so much money. The companies that market and sugars and everything for advertising that the lobbies go, don't you say anything bad about sugar. Don't you do that. Oh, driving me crazy. I see so many of my contemporaries going down now or, or sadly overweight and whatever. And, and it's because primarily of the drinks and the fast food. Okay, I mean, if you're in that driving line two, three times a, a week and then you're eating pizza on top of it, your system can't flush it. But no, we don't get any of that messaging. You think one kid in the country is reading the label on sugar? No. 
There's a reason why the government compelled all the food companies and beverage companies to put the label on there. Okay? But nobody even publicizes it. Okay. Media. So Howard Stern is uh, angry with me uh, because I went on WABC radio, which I do you know, frequently. They're our flagship radio station. And I talked about how uh, I attended Boston University and Howard Stern was there. Okay, and I knew who he was because he was the only guy in the school of communication who was taller than me, and he had a, an afro. Okay, so CERN tells his audience yesterday, I'm going to play you the clip in a minute, uh, but put his picture up there. The reason I said he had a fro is because he had a fro. <laughs> there it is. Okay, now he says he didn't have it, that he had long stringy hair with a ponytail, but there's the graduation picture, Howard. Now, he gets on the air yesterday, uh, and he rips me up. Go. And he started in again about how he knew me at Boston University, which is just a total f lie. Why do you even come up? You're not friends with him. You don't know him. I Why don't is he know talking the guy. about him, you? I don't, I don't know. Howard. So on December 8th, 2005, Mr. Stern appeared on The Factor. Go. We're both raised in working class families on Long Island, okay? Right. Stern and O'Reilly. We both wind up at Boston University at the same time. That's right. We're terriers together, okay? We both reached the top of our professions. Ten million in one shot for me. Eight hundred billion in one shot to me. Now, why am I bothering with this? This kind of stuff gets on social media. All right, Stern attacks O'Reilly. Stern calls O'Reilly a liar and all of that. And then it gets into the record. Okay, people believe, they believe this. Now, Stern probably just misremembers. Okay, I'm not, I wasn't friends with him at BU. I just knew he was. I think he knew I was. So I was a big columnist for the newspaper there. But didn't matter. He acknowledged that we, he knew we were there together. And then on his program yesterday, he goes, I don't know the guy. Ah, it's not important other than the pickup by social media. It goes everywhere. So every famous person, every athlete, every politician gets attacked and even if the attacks are false, boom, it's everywhere. This is a horrendous problem in this country. And that's why I've showed you that. You say in history, January 17th, 1920, prohibition goes into effect. This was probably the worst law ever in the United States. So it was a convention of states. Everybody goes, where's the convention of states? The states had to ratify the change in the Constitution that booze was banned in the USA, and they did. 46 out of 48 states in 1920 said, we don't want booze. The only states that didn't were Connecticut and Rhode Island, okay? But it didn't matter because the constitutional amendment passed the states, and then it was signed into law. Woodrow Wilson was the president. So what happened? 
Americans didn't stop drinking. They just bought the booze from Al Capone and the gangsters who formed families to sell booze. And then when prohibition was repealed in 1933, remember 13 years of this, okay, the organized crime families went to narcotics and gambling and other things because the structure was already there. And that happened, the prohibition, 103 years ago today. Right now, 70% of all uh, Americans are regular drinkers, okay? Um, 25% don't drink at all. And between 6 and 10 are addicted to alcohol. We'll be back with some mail and a final thought on Tom Brady. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful, a lot of anxiety, and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. All right, let's go to the mail. Jorge Diandor, Chihuahua, Mexico. Bill, as usual, you were right about your comments on Mexico. However, I want to point out a couple of things. In order to have the cartels smuggle, there has to be a demand for drugs in the USA, which Mexico did not create. And drugs are not distributed in the U.S. by themselves. Someone doesn't. Correct on both points, Jorge? Okay. We are responsible, we, the United States of America, for buying narcotics, which causes violence and death all over the place. So the individual people who buy narcotics contribute to the death. No doubt. As far as the distribution is concerned, we have laws that you have to make cases against these cartels and organizations, crime organizations in this country. It takes time to do that. And now with the pro-criminal thing we have going on here, we're selling heroin and methamphetamine and even fentanyl isn't considered a, a violent crime or a terrible crime. We got a huge problem. So you are correct. Michael, drug cartels are the enemy of the U.S. and should be destroyed by force. That would mean we would have to go to semi-war with Mexico. But I agree the Patriot Act should be enforced. Cartels should be designated terrorists, and we should go and get them. That's for sure. Uh, Henry, who's the most responsible for the drug mess, the buyer or the seller? The seller, the pusher. Okay? The buyer is weak. The buyer is wrong. But the pusher is greedy and exploiting the weakness and doesn't care whether the Buyer lives or dies. Greg Brozek, New Haven, Connecticut. North Haven, North Haven. Although Dr. King made major strides in the civil rights movement, I don't think it should warrant his birthday being a national holiday. The African-American community accounts for only 13% of the population. There are other historical icons who deserve it. I disagree entirely. You are showing respect to the African-American community by designating the holiday. And Janet. Whether you agree that uh, MLK Day should be a holiday or not, what he accomplished through peaceful means deserves to be recognized. And it is. I, th I think it is. Dan, 
Dr. King preached overcoming hate with love and nonviolence and not judging people by the color of their skin. Sadly, much of what his leadership inspired is being eroded. No doubt about it. No doubt about that. Okay. Uh, let's go to Ricky Kreutzer, Elizabethtown, Kentucky. Bill, your analysis of TV news being boring is spot on. Wife and I watch the No Spin every night. Love the talking points, interviews, mail, final thoughts. Thanks for keeping it straight. If we're boring, you let me know. Bill at BillOReilly.com. Bill at BillOReilly.com. Name in town if you wish you upon. Let me know. Val Gabitas, White Mountain, Alaska. From Chihuahua, Mexico to White Mountain, Alaska. Hey, Bill, you always refer to Holly as a terror dog. Why do you call her that? When Holly was a puppy, full-bred corgi, wild, crazy dog, she attacked a wooden cabinet. Holly attacked a wooden cabinet, gnawed on it. Talk about a terror dog. I had to chase this dog all over the place and training her. I almost sent her to special forces camp. Now, of course, she's an adult dog and much better, but she still has the nickname, The Terra Dog. Okay, we'd like you to go to the BillOReilly.com store. We have a great sale there. Stock up for gifts. You know you're going to have to give them this year. Get them at a great price. Smart life. Word of the day, no rancor, R-A-N-C-O-R, when writing to the No Spin News. And we will be back with Tom Brady in a moment. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So the final thought is about Tom Brady. I know him a little. I met him at the Kentucky Derby. Uh, He sent me a jersey, signed jersey. Uh, I always had nice discussions with him. Uh, I felt very bad for him last night when the Dallas Cowboys waxed the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. Dallas better team. Tampa Bay had a rough year. Brady's 45. It wasn't Brady's fault, but the game is different now. If you're a quarterback, you've got to be mobile. You've got to be able to run. Brady can still throw that ball, but the buck line couldn't protect him. His receivers didn't get open very well, and he's stuck back there in the pocket getting hammered. If you see the quarterbacks that are upcoming, they all can move, okay? It's a different game. And Tom Brady, I don't know what he's going to do. I don't think he'll be back with Tampa. He may take a shot with another team that's stronger, or he might hang it up. Best quarterback ever, okay, no doubt about it. But last night watching that game, I was sad. Thank you for watching and listening to the No Spin News. We will see you tomorrow. Sorting through your expenses, estimated payments, and all those tax deductions can be overwhelming. Might even lead to a failure to file and failure to pay penalties that pile up on your tax debt. The attorneys at Tax Network USA have been lifesavers for many Americans. Their team has successfully saved clients more than $1 billion in tax debt, a billion. 
Whether you're in the hole for 10,000 or 10 million, they are ready to help. The expert attorneys and tax professionals at Tax Network USA are equipped to secure the best settlement for you and help you resolve all tax cases. So please go to taxnetworkusa.com bill, or you can call 1-800-245-6000. These debt relief programs are expected to change, so get started now. Please go to taxnetworkusa.com bill, or you can call 1-800-245-6000. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you.